You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, your trusty if not talented host of the program with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Otherwise, you're going to find me at BamaOnline.com where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama-affiliated website there on the 247sports.com. Network. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The Chocolate Lady and that outstanding staff, they're ready for you. Any chocolate treat your heart desires, you're going to find it at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And the good thing about it is you've got shareables, right? You can get you one of those Granny Smith apples that they're going to hand dip in caramel. They're going to put, whether it's milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, maybe a little bit of everything on there. You can get a base chocolate, then get them to drizzle some of the other chocolate on there, and then maybe get some pecans thrown on there, maybe some graham cracker crust dust on there. Then you take that baby home, and it's big enough, you can cut it up into sections, and everybody can enjoy their special treat from Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined, as always, on the program. By executive producer, Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60 Minute of Sports Talk Radio. Joe, how you doing on this Tuesday morning? Oh, having a great day today, Travis. How about yourself? We're hanging in there. Business picked up a little bit yesterday, didn't it? Amen. Start of, yeah, with football practice getting underway at the University of Alabama and other posts around the Southeastern Conference. Wow, we had some actual practice. We're talking about practice. Yes, AI, we're talking about practice. It's easy to finally to, to talk about. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Absolutely, AI. You know, AI was a hell of a football player in his own right back in his high school days. A uh, really good quarterback coming out of the state of Virginia. Pretty good basketball player, as we went on to learn as well. But, yeah, we're going to talk about some Alabama practice. We're going to talk about the SEC schedule drop. We're going to talk about some associated news with that. You heard from Greg Byrne on the social media this morning that ticketing info for Alabama football should be out later today or tomorrow at the latest. You had the SEC issue its COVID guidelines for fans for the upcoming season. Whether it's attendance numbers, that's going to be essentially left up to local and state governing bodies. You're going to have required face coverings for fans at games and tailgating. I've been asked, I've probably been asked as much about tailgating as just, you know, fan attendance for games. Because I think people, if they can't attend the games, they'll be just as fine to go set up somewhere down there on campus. You know, the tailgating man, the tailgating industry has become so huge. You know the tailgating man has an interest in how this is going to play out. I think there are plenty of folks you could have the game being played inside Bryant-Denny Stadium with 20,000 fans allowed in, and you'd have at least that many 
in the campus and strip and downtown area, just in town, right? I think the local economy would be okay with that if we could maintain the protocols in place for social distancing and everything else that would go along with that. By the way, if you want to check in with us this morning, you can do so at 205-342-9904. We got some recruiting to talk about. Jalen Milrow, four-star quarterback. You know, from about, gosh, it was like 6 o'clock when you had Saban coming off the practice field. You had the schedule drop on SEC Network. And by the way, kudos to the SEC Network because they didn't pull an NCAA tournament reveal on us last night. You know, when you saw that it was going to be an hour program, you're like, oh, no. They're going to try to hold us for at least 30 minutes before actually getting into the schedule. Kudos to the SEC Network. They got right into it. I mean, they introduced us to Greg McElroy and Roman Harper. Had a couple of former Alabama products on that coverage last night. Quarterbacks on both sides of the ball, right? Roman running the show in the mid-aughts for some of the more underrated Alabama defenses of all time, including certainly that 2005 unit. Held Texas Tech to just 10 points. Mike Leach, Air Raid, Cotton Bowl, January 1st, 2006. So you had Roman, you had GMAC, uh, you had Dari, and I thought it was, I, I, I appreciated it, I guess is what I'm saying, because I've got the schedule drop, I've got Nick Saban on a Zoom call, and then I get a heads up from Tim Watts, site publisher at BamaOnline.com, that we're looking at doing an emergency podcast because something big is going down here in the next few moments. And it turned out that something big was, in fact, Jalen Milrow, four-star quarterback from the state of Texas. Another Jalen at the quarterback position from Texas. Uh, Milrow, a guy that Alabama had actually been involved with for a long period of time. This wasn't a situation where this was a sort of late arrival to the recruiting radar for the 2021 cycle for the Crimson Tide. You know, Milrow had been in that mix along with Drake May. May took the offer first, became the standalone quarterback commit for the 2021 cycle. Then, of course, he flipped to North Carolina and uh, his home state school. He's a legacy there with the Tar Heels. His dad played quarterback for UNC. His older brother, most recently a basketball player of some note for Roy Williams on the hardwoods there on Tobacco Road. So Drake May made that move. That opened the spot back up. Kind of felt like Luke Altmyer over in Starkville might be next man up at quarterback. Altmyer's committed to Florida State. There had been some interaction, heavy interaction between Altmyer and the Alabama staff. But then here comes... Jalen Milrow to go ahead and jump on board. So since Saturday, uh, you've had three new commitments for this Alabama class of 2021 and closing the gap on top-ranked Ohio State. You know, Ohio State got out there so quick and so impressively that it was all but conceded early on that, well, Ohio State going to be the runaway number one-ranked class for this cycle. Well, maybe not. You know, we'll see how Alabama closes here down the stretch. Still got some big fish on the line. Certainly some work to do in the secondary. Uh, still some possibilities on that offensive line as well. Maybe a spot at the wide receiver position. Already got three really good ones. But with Milrow, uh, you know, I, I give the guy credit too because he's not walking into – uh, a ready-made situation with Bryce Young. You saw Bryce Young out there working behind Mac Jones and some of the practice video that UA released. Uh, Bryce Young is uh, going to provide plenty of resistance. Now, Milrow was looking at Texas in this 2022 cycle. Quinn Ewers uh, projected to be perhaps the number one overall prospect for the 2022 cycle. You saw last week he committed to Texas. So whether it was in front of him or behind him, Milrow was going to have plenty of competition. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in. Speaking of Texas, let's check in with our pal Cowboy right now. Cowboy, how you doing? All right, Travis. How are you doing? Great, my friend. Um, 
You know, I was surprised that the South Lake quarterback committed to um, Texas. Texas. I thought it. I thought it was going to be Alabama or Oklahoma on him. I had heard um, Oklahoma probably as much as anyone, but uh, maybe some heartstrings in play there too with the Texas. Yeah, kid. I guess I don't know if his parents went to Texas or not, but. I got a feeling I don't know if the commitment will stand with Texas. That's still a ways to go, you know. It is. But, it is. And um, it may depend on, you know, what we see play out at Oklahoma this season. Although, you know, if Spencer Rattler is what he's supposed to be, if he, if he, if we have a season and he's really good this year and really good next year, then the timing could work out better even at Oklahoma than a lot of places for Ewers. Right. We might see Ours when we go to Daryl K. Royal Memorial, Memorial Stadium, Stadium down there. You got yeah. that right. That's a good point. Um, now, with the Milrow kid, he kind of looks like Jalen Hurts a little bit did in high school and kind of got the Russell Wilson kind of mm-hmm. style a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think we're we're moving further away from just uh, when we talk about dual threat quarterbacks. What we've in the past really been talking about is a guy that's more a runner first. If we're being honest about the situation, right, and probably right. a guy that would qualify as more of a developmental prospect from a passing perspective, and even Jalen, you know, sort of fit that mold. Jalen Hurts. Um, right, but understanding the way offense is played, and and I think it did help Jalen that that he at least played in a system that stressed the passing game. Um, these kids in Texas, uh, you know, they're, they're, it seems like systematically it's uh, it's blanketed across that state in terms of you know air raid principles and sort of being. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the spread and, and, and sort of a breeding ground uh, for that style of offense and, and how it's sort of carried over into the quarterback play. Right. Well, you know, the backup quarterback at Highland Park the last two years got a scholarship and committed to Hawaii with former Texas high school coach Todd Graham, right yeah. coach. So, you know, they these coaches, they believe in the system, you know, and they – think that you know like the kid there at highland park he's shown enough in camps over the years that they think he can fit right in and play at the mountain west level that you know he's never played much significant play in high school yet but cowboy kyle Kyle trask at florida was the same guy at manville high school you know he didn't he didn't start uh he didn't start any games out there because he was the backup to De'Ara king now of right, Miami. right, yeah, yeah. So it happens out this there. Is no, there's no quarterback you there. So what do you think <laughs> this does for the twenty uh, twenty twenty two quarterback uh, recruiting at Alabama? You still think they try to get the hot shot quarterback, or are they going to maybe flip that on the twenty twenty three era? Well, I mean, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Alabama consistently go after the the very best guy but i mean it it would seem that the search would at least heavily involve perhaps the local guy and tanner bailey of gordo um yeah that doesn't mean he'll end up being the guy because you know again they're going to go after the best possible player they can get but i mean you look at tanner bailey right now and his offer list is you know it's not g5 this isn't a guy you're right. trying to, you know, work away from Memphis. We're talking Georgia, LSU, you know, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn. So, you know, that's the sort of the connect the dots scenario that I would say would be in play. Right. Is Tanner Bailey a better quarterback than the kid that came from Fife down to Pinson Valley going to be out there with Jacinti uh, Kool Aid McKintree out there? Is he is he a better quarterback than that kid? Probably. I haven't seen enough to probably have a strong opinion on that at this point, um, to be honest with you. you. 
So, uh, you know, what I tend to do when we start getting beyond even the current cycle is I, I, I follow offers more than, than anything else. And so, um, you know, that, that right now, as much as anything is where I put stock in Bailey. Um, but we'll Mm -hmm. see. Now that's Sam Bailey's great grandson, the former athletic director, right hand confidant of Coach Bright, right? I great believe grandson. so. He, uh, you know, from what I understand, he has ties to both Alabama and Auburn. Oh, so, I thought uh, his grandfather was Sam Bailey's son. Might be. Not sure. You know. The Sam Bailey Indoor Practice Facility, or what? Or Sam? No, the track stadium. Hey, Chris. Sam yeah, Bailey is the is yeah. the uh, is the uh, is the track stadium. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a good man. I remember meeting him back in the seventies with Coach Bryant. My father knew. Um, but oh well. Well, that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I think I think good I think stuff. that Tanner Bailey's grandfather. Uh, Played uh, uh played at Alabama, um, mm-hmm. under under mm-hmm. Bear Bryant, and uh, mm-hmm. his dad actually played at Auburn. So that's where you kind of get this split allegiance there from the Bailey family. I got you. I got you. Well, uh, it was good to see practice video and Coach Saban <laughs> yesterday. I've kind of got guarded optimism. I can't totally jump in the deep water and start. Thinking, I don't need a life raft yet. <laughs> Did you? Uh, you know, was there con- was there concern for you, cowboy, when the UNC news came out yesterday about going all remote with the classes? Did that? Yeah. Did that? Yeah. Did that scare you a little bit? Yeah, kind of, kind of shook me a little. You know, my goodness, how would you like to be paying all that out of state tuition for Chapel Hill? People all over the country to go remotely. Woo. That's rough, hey, that's, and I, you know, I, you know, and UNC athletics came right behind it and uh, issued a statement that we're moving forward. But the way I sort of viewed that, and I was going to talk about this today on the program anyway, is that it's not just football that UNC's thinking about. If UNC's thinking about anything right now for the rest of this semester, what do you think that is, Cowboy? They're thinking about who basketball. And if basketball. you go ahead and say, well. We're out on football. What are you saying about basketball? We're out, <laughs> and they're not—they're not, they're not going to they, do that. So uh, it could to. be that ACC hoops, and maybe some schools that you would think would opt out or get out of football pretty quickly. Maybe they typically would, but it's not just football we're talking about here for the fall semester. We're talking about a decision that you might also be making in regards to what you really hold near and dear to your heart over there. And that's of course, hoops. Right. Hey, this is a big year for Roy. You know, they kind of had that rough year last year. If he doesn't kind of turn back around this year, Roy might be looking at retirement. What do you think? He he could, but I, I think this change sort of helps UNC hoops, right? Because they're used to online courses over there at North Carolina. Oh we yeah. Boy, Roy's the master at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good lead uh, out, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, they well, got look, plenty good of experience you, in the man. old online over there in hoops, you know. Yeah. Fictitious yeah. courses, maybe even. So Right. Yeah. I went <laughs> I went with SMU up there to a game with Mike Cavan in twenty twenty one. It's a beautiful campus, boy, those pine trees oh, or something else. Gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Right around Keenan Stadium. Yeah. The only problem oh, I yeah. ever had with Keenan Stadium was they had picnic benches right outside the, the entry to the stadium. And you just don't see that. You know, you don't see many picnic benches right outside the entrance way to, to SEC yeah. venues. So that was I a little remember different that. for me. Yeah. I remember picnic that. benches outside was... the, the football stadium. But yeah. Uh, yeah. hey Cowboy, we always appreciate the call, my man. Yep. Be good. Good talking. Do with it you. again soon. Thank you, sir. There he goes, Cowboy, out there in the Lone Star State. We're going to take our first break. We come back. Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. We are going to go through the 2020 college football schedule for the Southeastern Conference. We'll do that with Brent. We'll talk some waiver news associated to the Tennessee Vols and uh, just a general look around the Southeastern Conference. 
with Brent Beard coming up next right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. Most places dry. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, partially sunny. A chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon. The high at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It is that time on Tuesdays when we like to check in with our good friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News down there on the First Coast, Northeast Florida. Brent, how you doing this morning? I bet you're excited, right? I, I am. I, I tell you what, Trev, it's great to be talking schedules and it's great to be talking about something happening on the field, is it not? <laughs> it is. It's a. It's it's very very comforting, right? Yes. This is what yes. we're used to doing in the middle of August, even if it is a little bit of a later start. Uh, but with the start of practices around the Southeastern Conference, we certainly had some news in terms of injuries and rosters and waivers and those type of things. We're going to go week by week with Brent and kind of highlight some of the marquee games for the upcoming season in the Southeastern Conference. But Brent, let's start right there. Because at places other than Alabama, uh, there was certainly news on the aforementioned fronts, whether it was Cade Mays at Tennessee or the quarterback situation at Georgia. There was some housekeeping, I guess, to sort of take care of first things first. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I know Florida had uh, basically three of their wide receivers uh, that did not show up for practice. Now, again, uh, we'll couch that as saying – um, that that they've got 25 uh, practices and they've got about 40 days to get those in. So there's certainly no need to, uh, to, to I think, overreact uh, with this situation at all. But uh, Kadarius Tony, Trevon Grimes, J- Jacob Copeland uh, all kind of tweeted that, don't read too much into it. And then Zachary Carter, I think his dad basically said, Trav, that uh, he may not get in as early as some, and that may happen to uh, several of them at that point, too. And I think the other uh, kind of big thing, Jamie Newman at Wake Forest is uh, kind of banged up. I don't think there's much to a midfoot sprain right now uh, at this point. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, Trav, is not even cleared to practice yet. Yeah. Uh, and now, you remember him getting hurt. Uh, and listen, uh, Trav, I remember you and I talking about this, that when you get hurt that late in the season, uh, there's no guarantee when you're coming back, is it? No, and that was tough because that was in the SEC championship game against the uh, against the, the LSU Tigers. And whereas you do bring back George Pickens, uh, that's still an area where Georgia just wasn't good enough. Really, the last last year for sure. Um, in terms of playmakers on the outside, so you'd love to get Blaylock back. But perhaps as we you know, talk about the schedules coming up here in a little bit, where Alabama's concerned on Georgia's schedule anyway, that could be a benefit to having that game here in Tuscaloosa essentially pushed back by, I guess it's, yeah, right around a month, almost exactly. Yep. Georgia was supposed to be here September the 19th. Instead, the dogs will come in on October the 17th and maybe guys like Blaylock and some other injured players works both ways. I think it could benefit Alabama too. Sure. this pause because you had guys like Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, LeBron Ray, uh, a, a plethora of guys, as we know, sort of trying to get back from injuries from a year ago, but the May situation at Tennessee, Brent, as we, as we wrap this up and get into the schedules um, to me, 
Mays' availability is the difference in that Tennessee offensive line yeah. going from really good to perhaps elite because they've got four guys they feel really good about. Uh, if they get Mays in that mix to fulfill that five, uh, they have a chance to be Alabama-like in terms of their starting five. They won't have the depth, I don't think, that Alabama's going to have. But uh, that's that. I thought that would be kind of a slam dunk for Cade Mays, but that wasn't the case. I, 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 listen, I, I don't think either one of us really understand the mindset of the NCAA on these transfer waivers. Uh, frankly, I think it really took Jeremy Pruitt back uh, because they thought that he would be able to help them uh, immediately. So it, it was uh, very unusual to, to to look at that, and I think very uh, surprising also. Uh, Trav, well, one thing that a lot of people miss, and, and look, I know this guy's not necessarily an all-star, but Ole Miss Richard Senior Center Eli Johnson has yeah. has has opted out. Look, uh, look, Trav. I don't care who you are. If you lose your if you lose your center, that speaking of offensive lines, that causes you some problems too. Yeah, it does. And Eli, of course, the son of David Johnson. And if you follow Ole Miss football on the twenty four seven Sports dot com network, you realize and you'll recall that Eli's dad, David had a colossal battle with COVID-19 and yeah. a couple of different stages in that battle. It, it looked extremely dire for David Johnson. So um, not, I guess, a huge surprise that maybe Eli would go ahead and, and step away in the midst of a pandemic. And as he said, in his social media sort of announcement, uh, going to focus on his masters and sort of tying a bow on that, Ole Miss athletic and academic career, but you're right. Uh, that that's a that's a big blow there to the um, to the Ole Miss Rebels. And again, in the coming days, we heard from Nick Saban Monday night, and he wouldn't come right out and say these are our opt outs or this is the one opt out we have or how many they have. But I think you're gonna that that's gonna be a big part of the storyline moving throughout this week and as we get closer uh, and into September. Hopefully, is uh, you're going to see this across the league. Uh, I, and listen, I, I'm not sure that is not going to be a, a major part of these coaches um, really being able to uh, uh, to demonstrate to the players that they can keep them safe at this point. Uh, and, and Trav, uh, what about LSU defensive back Kerry Vincent? Uh, That's a big out. one. And, and look, I know they've got obviously some depth at that position, uh, but that's a guy uh, that they will definitely miss. So uh, you're right. Uh, who who knows who it's all going to be at this point? But man, you get uh, Trev, you get three or four starters opt out. I don't care who you are. It can change your season. No doubt, Kerry Vincent. He's one of those valuable dudes in that. Like in the Alabama game here in Tuscaloosa last November, you saw him at the star position. Uh, in nickel looks, when LSU would go dime, they were comfortable with moving Vincent back to safety, which freed up Grant Delpit to get more involved in some pressure looks and in the box, uh, even with six defensive backs on the field. So whereas LSU, very much self-anointed, DBU, <laughs> and you expect LSU to be able to backfill with a quality option, that's a lot of uh, experience as much as anything else with Kerry Vincent uh, taking the opt-out route. We're talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented in part by Houston Hydrasteam. So Brent, let's do it. Let's go week by week with this updated 2020 SEC football schedule. Let's start in that opening week. Uh, it's been pointed out by plenty of folks. It's not all that hard to sort of point to this opening week and think that, well, not really much in the way of marquee matchups, Alabama going to Missouri. Um, I think Mike Leach in his debut as an SEC head coach yes. at LSU yes. has some has some shine to it. And also, how about Lane Kiffin welcoming Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators back to Dan's old stomping grounds out there in the state of Mississippi. Uh, I, I and uh, watch for the Mississippi teams. Um, uh, they're not going to win the division, but I think they're going to give some issues. KJ Costello, Trav, if he is uh, sharp with that offense, 
uh, with LSU losing so many players to the NFL, that that could be a real issue uh, at that point, too. And and it'd be, it'd be interesting if Plumlee is that Ole Miss quarterback against the Florida defense. But, uh, Trev, I still say the game of the, of the day on that day uh, is that sneaky Kentucky at Auburn, uh, yeah. where, where, Trev, early in the year, a healthy Kentucky team can give you a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be competitive football games on that opening Saturday. I think, obviously, you think Alabama, Missouri, Georgia at Arkansas, you think games that should be decided before the end of the third quarter. But I'm with you. I think there's intrigue with Mississippi State, LSU, and even Tennessee at South Carolina yeah. to crank things up. I think though that's there, there's going to be some competitive football games. I don't think Florida uh, necessarily is a shoe in to go into Vaught Hemingway and blow out Lane Kiffin in his debut as the Ole Miss head coach either. So we get into October the 3rd, and that's when things start to ramp up in terms of top 10-like matchups. Texas A&M, instead of coming to Tuscaloosa in the penultimate weekend of the regular season, will be here in week two. And then you got Auburn at Georgia that same week as well. South Carolina at Florida has potential. Um, so you start to pick things up in terms of some pop with marquee matchups. Uh, I think it helps Alabama to play A&M that early, uh, and particularly at home. Um, obviously, on the original schedule, it was A&M and Auburn back-to-back at the end of the year. Uh, that, that has certainly changed. Uh, it will be uh, uh, really amazing to, to realize that Auburn and Georgia will be playing uh, on that um, second second week uh, in a lot of ways. And look, I like that Ole Miss Kentucky game. I, I think that could be a uh, a big game for both of those teams. Trev, my question for you is uh, the uh, well that uh, I'm guessing that uh, Auburn Georgia game will be uh, CBS 3:30 and and A and M Bama. Uh, would that be the ESPN primetime tilt, uh, uh, kind of an early look ahead on TV? I think it's going to work either way, yeah. When you talk about 2.30 in primetime, uh, you're looking at uh, those games in, in some type of order. And when you get moving through the the month of October, it's hard not to look at October the 17th because, again, the Georgia Bulldogs scheduled now. To come to Bryant-Denny Stadium that same weekend, you've got LSU traveling to Florida, uh, what should be a competitive game in Kentucky and Tennessee, one of those rivalry games from November that's getting pushed up into the schedule. Uh, Even Auburn and South Carolina has potential, and you could say the same for Texas A&M, Mississippi State. That, That October the 17th weekend looking pretty good too, Brent. Uh, And I think we need to point out, Trav, uh, with A&M on the 17th, after playing Bama, after playing Florida, yeah. uh, if A&M's banged up, uh, could State give them some problems? I don't think there's any doubt about that. And it's at this point in the schedule, Brent, where I'm led or I, I'm, I'm kind of taken back to the recent comments and reports that there was some contentiousness yeah. in that uh, meeting <laughs> among SEC coaches in terms of how this schedule was sort of formulated in terms of additional opponents. But then when you start talking about the way in which it's laying out, uh, it it maybe becomes a little bit more clear who exactly those upset parties were um, (laughs) in in that meeting. But uh, October the 24th, you're going to maintain some of that traditional values of Alabama, Tennessee with the Crimson Tide going up to Knoxville. Um, And that's, that's, that looks to be a shoe in game for your, your, your CBS because yeah. you've got Auburn at Ole Miss, Missouri at Florida, Georgia at Kentucky, South Carolina at LSU, and um, so that's 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 looking like a slam dunk. And then you cap the month of October if you're Alabama with Mike Leach coming to town for Nick Saban's birthday on October the 31st. <laughs> LSU at Auburn certainly uh, a premium matchup on that weekend as well. Well. Uh, couple of quick things here. I, I think it's incredibly in Alabama's favor that they won't be going to Knoxville on fumes uh, before Trav, that they would have they would have played instead of uh, just a, 
a few games. They would have probably played, what, seven or eight games before before going to Knoxville, uh, and, and that's been a problem. Uh, I've got an eye on that Georgia-Kentucky game. That could certainly be interesting. Uh, also, folks down here are a tad disappointed that that Florida Georgia game was out on October 31st on Halloween, like they thought it would be, and instead it's on the uh, uh, next week. Uh, but look, that that might be a situation, particularly for Bama, uh, that that game is at home. Uh, uh, very few fans are not. Yeah, in November the 7th, you're right. That'll preserve the bye week for both Alabama and LSU prior to their matchup on November the 14th but whereas some folks I guess down in your neck of the woods Brent are a little bit disappointed that the game has moved back a week still got to be some some happy folks in terms of at least it's going to still be contested yes uh in Jacksonville unlike Arkansas and Texas A&M on the 31st which will move on campus to College Station uh, well I think both athletic directors at Florida and Georgia were uh, fairly um, consistent that the game will be played here. They really did not want to deal with, um, and, and, and I can get this, uh, Trav, that Greg, McGar- Greg McGarity uh, uh, didn't necessarily want to have Florida come to Athens and not have any fans uh, yeah. or just a fraction of the fans. So, can certainly understand that, but yes, it, it will. Uh, it will certainly still be the uh, uh, the, the headliner, as a lot of people think uh, that that will be for the Eastern Division crown. Yeah, absolutely. And so you move through the 31st of October and November the 7th, which is essentially where teams are, I guess, going to experience uh, bye weeks, and you get back into full on. Uh, schedules on November the 14th. Alabama, of course, going to go to LSU. Auburn and what could be an interesting yep. matchup uh, there in Starkville that same weekend. Uh, and you also get Texas A&M at Tennessee. Well, uh, that game could be... Listen, if Tennessee's healthy and, and both those teams are, are still uh, in, within the finish line of either a bowl game or challenging a little bit for their division. Uh, I think that, that game could be very interesting. Boy, this, I tell you, Trev, this A&M schedule, uh, in the beginning and, and toward the end, stepped uh, up a notch. Yeah. Oh, oh, mercy for heavens. Uh, uh, and, uh, how much, and again, can, can Jimbo make this team, uh, uh go to the next level that people think he can, uh, jury's still out on that one for me, Travis. Yeah, you kind of figured that based on the schedules they had before all of this and the schedules you anticipated them having with the 10-game conference-only format, Texas A&M and Tennessee were prime candidates among legitimate contenders in the SEC yes. anyway. Yes. Not talking about Missouri and Arkansas here. That were going to take significant steps up. In, uh, in terms of opponents, and it's also played out that way in terms of how the schedules are actually going to lay out. Now, you get into November the 21st, and for Alabama, that could be very interesting because we know what that LSU game on an annual basis has the potential to do to both yes. those teams. Uh, you come home, you get a Kentucky team that will continue to, all, in all likelihood, be undervalued. Uh, despite the improvement that it's made in recent years, uh, you'll get Tennessee at Auburn that same weekend. Um, and that, that'll sort of be your, your premium type games uh, on a full slate. Otherwise, Mississippi State at Georgia possibly at that point could have some interest. It's, it really is amazing. Whatever you think of Mike Leach, you go week by week and Mississippi State does pop now. When it you does. look at the schedules because no of Mike Leach. Yeah, I, I agree. And if Ole Miss can do anything about a defense, uh, it, you could say a little bit about them too. But I, I agree with that on, on, on Leach. And look, I, I hate to sound like a broken record here with Kentucky, but Kentucky beat writers, I've heard uh, one of the better ones talking the other day, saying this may be the deepest Kentucky team, uh, this is some hyperbole, but you'll get it, that they've ever had. 
So, uh, and uh, I think that gives a a lot of credit to what Stoops has done uh, in that situation. And, and Trav, again, um, uh, listen, that that Tennessee-Auburn game could be extremely important for, for one, if not both, to get into a bowl game even. Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt with a W uh, in his first year as the head coach of the Vols down on the Plains, right, a couple of years ago? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that'll have some interest there uh, as well. And, yeah, I mean, you're getting – to a point in the schedule where depth is going to even without the COVID-19 situation going to show up as you run through a 10 game SEC schedule. So uh, also interesting to consider just what these teams are going to look like once you get to, uh, to late November. And speaking of which you get into Thanksgiving week, uh, the iron bowl this year, still going to be on Thanksgiving weekend, not going to be the final game of the regular season. That's not exactly a precedent when you talk about it from the Alabama perspective, because in the 21st century alone, we've seen Alabama close seasons with uh, different opponents. But you will have Auburn in here on November the 28th, uh, Georgia at South Carolina, LSU at Texas A&M. Those are going to stack up as sort of must-see TV that weekend. That's right. Uh, well, Trav, I'm wondering, with this being Thanksgiving weekend, would one of these games be moved to Thanksgiving night? Yeah. Uh, and could you move uh, an Arkansas-Missouri type game to to uh, to Black Friday, um, uh, the the great shopping day before uh, the weekend? I, I think I think Tennessee has a lot to do. TV has a lot to do with that weekend. Uh, and, and I'll and I'll say this too, Travis. There'll be a lot, a lot more people happier about that November 21st date uh, instead of being the sisters of the poor that we normally see. Uh, look, uh, well, uh, as you mentioned a minute ago, those November 21st games could have a real bearing on who wins November 28th. Yeah, we'd love to see the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, but if you're Ole Miss and you're coming off a road trip the previous Saturday to A&M, really. And you're Mississippi State, and you're coming off a road trip to Athens the previous Saturday. Yeah. I don't know if you would be all that in favor of a short week after <laughs> those type of tests on the road. But we know TV going to dictate a lot of what we're going to see once these game times and exact dates are announced. And then you close things out the final regular season weekend for SEC football in 2020. Alabama out to what could be a frigid. Yes. Fayetteville, Arkansas yes. on December the 5th, Texas A&M at Auburn, Florida at Tennessee, Ole Miss at LSU. A chance to go out with a real bang in that final weekend, Brent, of the regular season. Well, if, if Bama and Georgia win their divisions, this will help them. Uh, and look, you're, you would literally have uh, not one week off for the championship game, but almost two. But I tell you, Trav, that A&M Auburn, and particularly that Florida Tennessee game. Uh, it, listen, you and I remember Trav that that Florida Tennessee game actually being moved. Uh, you, you remember the hurricane year where yeah. they played on that first <laughs> Saturday in December. I think uh, that was o o one or o o three. Yes. There was a nine eleven game too, I believe. Correct. That was in that. Correct. Yeah. That, well, you, you know what. It may have been the 9-11 game at that point, but Tennessee won that game in December when Florida may have won easily in September mm-hmm. uh, at, at that point with that. But uh, but, but listen, that, there will be plenty of intrigue on that last weekend. No doubt about it. Then you'll have the off week, and then hopefully we'll have an SEC championship game in Atlanta, Georgia on December the 19th. I think we just about covered it, Brent. Well, uh, I, I know we're uh, – Short on time, but but a couple of things I wanted to mention. Trav, South, <clears throat> South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Vandy, Auburn, LSU, uh, uh, before they have their open date, uh, Trav, uh, uh, Will may have only one win against mm. Va- Vandy, <clears throat> basically going into the first weekend in November. Uh, I COVID may save his job, but will the natives be restless going into that open date in Columbia? 
Well, if it does, it'll it'll be Ray Tanner, the athletic director, that will have done a lot to have helped Will yeah. Muschamp because it was that extension and that massive buyout yes. followed yes. up by this uh, pandemic going to make things tough for a lot of folks uh, economically and sort of trying to make those decisions, not just in the area of football, but really throughout departments as we move forward. Well, Brent, as always, great stuff with us here on the program always appreciate you look forward to doing it next week keep our fingers crossed that we'll be talking some more practice and preseason ramp up for sec football in a week's time absolutely pal always enjoy it take care there he goes brent beard of first coast news and college sports today if you haven't already give brent a follow on twitter at brent beard b-e-a-i-r-d Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Hiring a good supply of sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. Most places dry. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, partially sunny. A chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon. The high at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Why are we playing a cut from the soundtrack from the 1984 hit movie, The Natural? You remember Roy Hobbs. And for the millennials, if you haven't checked it out, great baseball movie. Great movie. Starring Robert Redford, Glenn Close. Also the romantic, one of the romantic interests for Roy Hobbs. In the natural. Well, we're playing some of that for you today because Robert Redford turns 84 years old today. Got to be the best looking 84 year old male, female, whatever on the planet. Robert Redford. Amazing. 84 years old today. Thanks again to Brent Beard for joining us here on the program. Always does a great job as we go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent. Had some fun with the schedule release. Uh, we've got practices going on. You know, Alabama dropped that B-roll tape to the outlets. Yeah, actually, it was very well done, very helpful, four-plus minutes of video. Uh, we've got it up, I know, at uh, BamaOnline.com right now. And <laughs> if you're media, if you're fans right now, you're dissecting these clips, right? Four minutes of Mac Jones throwing it around, trying to check out guys. Does Dylan Moses have a knee brace on? You know? Sal Sanceri going to drop a bomb in the coverage, working with those outside linebackers, all the things you're looking for. I would say you saw in that practice video what you wanted to see if you're an Alabama fan, and that starts with players in attendance because between injuries from last year, the potential for opt-outs, you saw the guys you needed to see yesterday. You saw Najee Harris. You saw Alex Leatherwood. You saw that offensive line. Saw some still photos of Chris Owens working at center with that first-team offensive line. Uh-oh. Going to go back with Big Chris at center? Maybe move Landon Dickerson over to right guard? Deontay Brown at left guard? Evan Neal at right tackle? We'll see. You know, we have 40 days until the opener. And as we've talked about before, Alabama as a staff, not, a, not afraid to play around with that offensive line, even in fall camp. So when you've got 40 days and 25 practices, I would expect you'll see some different combinations. We won't see them, but you may hear about them as we move throughout preseason practices. So uh, you had that to parcel through yesterday. We told you about the commitment of Jalen Milrow to Alabama, former Texas commitment, four-star quarterback. Nice pickup on that front. Saban said yesterday, Ali Cahoe, the third-year linebacker, has a slight knee injury and will be out for a few days. Cahoe had pretty much let you know about that on social media, so that wasn't entirely a surprise. Saban didn't get into specifics when asked about opt-outs. I think, as we talked about with Brent, you're going to hear about more and more of them 
around the Southeastern Conference. I don't anticipate Alabama being immune to opt-outs. I'll just put it that way. But again, yesterday you saw the primary candidates for All-SEC, All-American that you wanted to see. Najee Harris looked good in that video. I mean, it's going to be hard not to just turn around and hand that guy the football about 20 times a game, isn't it? Trey Sanders looked good coming off the uh, lower extremity injury. So all in all, I'd say a positive start for Alabama as it points towards a 2020 college football season. What about Nick Saban this morning? He was on Get Up on the ESPN, and he was asked about the prospect for spring football, and Nick's response was essentially, you know, with the players that would have NFL grades and the likelihood of opt-outs, you, you're going to have opt-outs in the fall, by the way. We just, we're, Get ready. They're coming. But in the spring, yeah, could you imagine what that's going to look like? Nick said on ESPN this morning, it would become sort of a JV season, he said. Oof. Big Ten fans are already in their feelings, right? How do you think they like that sort of descriptive for their potential football season? If, in fact, it comes off in the spring. JV football for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Huh? That'll get your uh, that'll get your Tuesday going here in the Southeast. Been a lot of fun here on the program today. Again, Brent Beard, as always, we appreciate his time. We appreciate Houston Hydrosteam as well. One of our sponsors here on the program, if you haven't already, if you haven't experienced the outstanding service of Houston Hydrosteam and the work of Houston Hydrosteam, you need to make it a point to make it happen. 205-553-9460. That's going to get you in touch with Jackie and the outstanding crew there. At Houston Hydrosteam, they're going to take care of your carpets, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning, wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling. They got you covered at Houston Hydrosteam. Quality work you can't stand on. The lunch whistle on this Tuesday. Man, it's a Tuesday, so that means Thai Chicken Pizza Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza, starting at 6. If you give them a call at 205-326-6216 at Heat Pizza Bar, you're going to be able to get those Thai Chicken Pizzas starting at 6 o'clock this evening for just 7 bucks. Trust me, they are great. They are outstanding. All the pizza and stuff is great at Heat Pizza Bar. Thanks to Joe Gaither for producing the show for the rest of you until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.